Welcome to season three of Bend the Podcast. Conversations to spark creativity, challenge beliefs, and disrupt what it means to be well. I'm Lillian. And I'm Deb. This season, we have some former guests sitting in the co-host chair. They're going to help expand our perspectives. Listen for some familiar voices. Our podcast is recorded on the unsurrendered and traditional territories of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. We're really happy you're here today. Enjoy the conversation. Hi there, Deb here with a quick update about our episode today. Since the time of recording, Ellie Halliday, our guest host, has taken on a new role in the community. She's now the regional director for Lanark County United Way. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Ben the Podcast. We have um, a number of people around the virtual table today, which is a pretty cool experience and a new experience for me. So I'm just going to start by throwing it over to our guest host today, Ellie Halliday. For those of you who've tuned into the podcast before, we'll hear her familiar voice will be she will be familiar to you from episode in season two called to have a room about the complexities of rural youth homelessness so i'm gonna let ellie introduce herself welcome ellie i'm really glad you're sharing the mic with me today hi thank you i'm excited to be here in in a different kind of position than i would last time i got to be on this podcast so that's exciting um, yeah, so for those who don't know me, I'm Ellie Halliday. I'm a housing case manager for youth at Cornerstone Landing Youth Services, an organization based here out of Lanark County. Um, I also wear a couple hats. Um, I am currently completing my graduate degree in program evaluation in community intervention, and I sit on a couple committees um, including the National Alliance and Rural and Remote Homelessness, as well as the Housing Task Force um, locally here to us. So yeah, Deb, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here and you know, you bring a lot to the conversation. So welcome. And thanks for agreeing to do this. Not, not um, a light task to, you know, co-host when it's something you've never done before. So welcome. I really appreciate you being here. Today we're talking to two folks who are employed, who do, you know, deeply embedded in community work at the Table Community Food Centre in Perth, Ontario. I'm going to introduce both of them and we're going to let them tell us a little bit more about themselves too. So Emmett Cameron became a community navigator after taking the Table's community action training course. They're a queer, neurodivergent writer, artist, podcaster who also works with kids and pets and makes theater in places that aren't theaters. I think we could have a whole podcast about your intro, Emmett. Welcome. We're really happy that you're here. And Yosef Sewan is the advocacy and social justice coordinator at the Table Community Food Center. He's also a part-time professor in sociology at U of Ottawa and a board member for Plan B in the Lanark Highlands. Yusuf is a father to three kids, Celeste, Salma, and Amparo, and partner of Armida. They live on a hobby farm on unceded Algonquin territory, and they share the space with lots of critters, plants, and trees. Welcome to both of you. Glad that Thank you're you. here. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We're, thanks for having us. Yeah. How about each of you tell us, I mean, robust intros and I, like I said, there's so much to dig into just in your intros. Tell us a little bit, Yosef, do you want to start and tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I'm thinking about 
where to begin around uh, parts about myself that aren't there. So I, my, my background and uh, where, how I landed here, how I ended up in Perth, I think is something that I, I give that question a lot. Mm. Um, as I think anyone who's not been here for several generations. Um, and I've, um, before being in uh, Lanark, um, we were in Ottawa prior to that, Toronto prior to that, the United States. So I was born and raised in the States and uh, have, a, have a history of, um, of organizing and, uh, and doing work in, uh, in social justice type work, whether it was through academia or um, in community organizing, union organizing. So the process of getting here, it's been basically about trying to figure out a space to um, just to, to have a sense of belonging and connection with each other. And honestly, when we ended up in Lanark, this is one of, one of the few places where we were able to really um, spend time to consider ourselves, how we connect to each other and to our community. And we've been able to do that. So that's why I often speak with we, because really a lot of what I've done and what a lot of what I do is in partnership with um, with Armida, with my with my partner, and we we try to figure out ways to um, we are still trying to figure out ways to um, to be more intentional in what we're doing in our communities and, and around mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Thanks, I appreciate that. How about you, Emmett? Anything yeah. else you want to add, or things <laughs> that you're bringing to this conversation? I know there's a lot there. Yes, well, I only go back one generation further than Yusuf, so not generations and generations. <laughs> Both of my parents were kind of in, in history as kind of uh, newcomers to this area. Um, and uh, so I grew up in, in the Lanark Highlands in, uh, in McDonald's Corners um, and, you know, was kind of uh, there and gone and for quite a while and ended up coming back um, to this area about six years ago and uh, kind of uh, found my place at the table. I, actually, my one of my uh, neighbors from growing up um, had just started uh, leading the children's after-school programming and needed volunteers. So I showed up to volunteer and then I was like, oh, there's like meals and I can like participate as a volunteer and also like eat food. That's good. I'm broke. <laughs> Great. Um, so I was, so it became a space where I was I was there a lot um, and doing a lot of work for uh, for quite a few years, you know, volunteering. And then that also led to some some paid gigs, both in the table community table programming and outside of it, uh, working with kids. Um, I was doing kind of after school ESL tutoring for a while, which the table set up through CAR with the, the um, Community Action for Refugee Resettlement. Um, Alliance for Refugee Resettlement. <laughs> I'm bad at, <laughs> I'm good at acronyms. I'm bad at what they stand for. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, doing a lot of uh, that kind of work, like children's programming. Um, and then, uh, as you mentioned in my intro, I ended up taking the uh, community action training course um, uh, in 20, 2019, I believe. Um, 2018 into 2019 and then uh, and then that opened up the possibility of uh, you know it was suggested to me when they they were looking for um, new navigators uh, or new community advocates as they were called at that time um, that that position would be a position I could do which is not something I would have uh, really considered for myself before taking that course I think I uh, it kind of um, opened up my mind to how some of the skills that I already had 
could be applicable to that kind of work, you know, with adults, for example, <laughs> that I do know how to talk to adults, <laughs> um, which is, uh, yeah, sometimes it seems like very separate skills, but uh, there's, there's secretly a lot more overlap than maybe a lot of adults want to think in how to talk to adults and how to talk to children. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. That's a whole other topic. Like that could be a whole topic, right? And we may have to put that down on our list of things we want to talk about in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, I think partly it's, if you've already mastered, you know, treating children with respect, then you could apply, cross apply those skills. If you haven't mastered that, you can't cross apply them. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's um, not that I'm infantilizing adults. It's, it's that. <laughs> I, I appreciate what you're saying for sure. It's a, a skill-based thing for sure. Um, I, but there's lots I want to even dig into just in terms of what you said around that training and navigation, but how about um, whichever one of you wants to pop pop in and tell us I, I think we have listeners we have listeners from all over and many of them won't have the privilege of having a community food center in their community so could we start there what what is a community food center what is the work of the table yeah um yeah absolutely so I, I guess I can start and then I know um Emmett can speak more to the 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 approach the intentions of the community advocacy office mm -hmm. so I'll I'll talk about just broadly a little bit so the the table community food center is um, one of the organizations that we you know we're under that we are one of many CFCs around the country um, and CFCs so community food centers they under a national organization called Community Food Centers Canada so that's CFCC. And the intention is really about bringing back a sense of, um, of, of community and belonging within the work we do. So rather than focusing just on getting food out and addressing that as a need, which we all understand that as central to what we do, I mean, a key piece of what the table does is ensuring that, uh, that there's access to healthy, nutritious, whole food for uh, within our community, that, the, that folks who um, are, are needing uh, food are able to access that. So that's certainly important. But we also recognize the importance of well-being, which I think is not, not, not to reference your, uh, the podcast too much, too directly, but the, the notion of wellness, right, is, is really central to what we do, that it's, it's more than just making sure you have a meal. It's about making sure you have someone to talk to making sure you also are able to uh, have, a, have a sense of, well, you know, how do I access resources for housing issues, housing concerns? Um, how do I uh, ensure that my, my utility bills are paid on regularly? How can I access supports for that? When, who can I talk to when I'm not feeling great? You know, um, those moments in time, they often coincide with not being able to have food. Those moments of feeling like, I'm alone, I don't have access to my basic needs to, uh, um, to, uh, to, to feel, you know, to feel fulfilled. Those moments are also moments that come with not having access to food. So CFCs uh, in general, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm avoiding kind of the, the, uh, the more um, objective or mandate descriptions. I'm just kind of just broadly, I think the way that what I've seen here and what I um, appreciate most is that we, we, we make a point of being open, an open space for anyone who would like to learn more about the community, whether it's around um, social justice issues or around uh, learning about uh, how to 
how to work in a kitchen, how to, uh, how to chop vegetables, how to, uh, you know, so there's a lot of different types of volunteer positions here. There's a lot of different types of programming. Um, throughout the pandemic, we haven't been able to do a lot of the programming in the building that we used to do. So things like our community kitchens, um, after school programming, those things, unfortunately, we haven't done in the same capacity. But um, as an example, I can just speak about today in the building, what's going on. This is one of the few days, well, I would say in the last few weeks, we've seen more activity here, which has been pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. um, we had a pop-up uh, canning session where uh, folks were invited. We were able to reach out to some participants and volunteers and say, hey, we have a lot of tomatoes. You want to come over and we'll do some canning. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, you know, following COVID protocols and doing our best to make sure that we're keeping distance and masks and, and so forth. And, and they were able to do that. So I've, I've been hearing all sorts of excitement upstairs as, as I'm here uh, <laughs> downstairs in, in the advocacy office. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's the broad, broad picture, broad that, strokes. That picture you've just painted is a, a kind of a neighborhood, right? So neighbors might call you over to say, hey, I've got this tomato problem. Do you want to come over and help? And very much a different, I think a lot of people think that, you know, even in our community, a lot of people don't, aren't aware of the work that happens there and they just think it's a food bank. And what you've described is, you didn't even use the word food bank, you know? So that's very cool. There's, that's a really lovely picture. And I hope that people are getting a sense if they didn't know what was going on there before of, of what and why it's necessary as, as you described. It reminded me, Ellie, of kind of, the complexities we talked about in terms of people it's not just that you don't have a place to live in your episode homelessness it's so much more than that right yeah yeah I really loved your description there Yusuf and I think that's why I love the community food hub idea so much it's really kind of uniquely positioned to create those partnerships within the communities um, and really you know take that steps towards um dismantling those systemic barriers to not only food insecurities but to health and wellness and all of the other aspects kind of that create you know a neighborhood and a community mm -hmm. yeah so important so important and how does how does your role fit into all of that Emmett what what does that look like in terms of the context that Yosef just described um, yeah, so uh, I work in what's called the uh, Community Advocacy Office, and the people who work in that office, we used to be called community advocates, and we found that people didn't necessarily know what that meant. Um, and so we, we talked for a long time about a term that would more accurately describe what we do, um, and what we landed on was navigator, because a lot of what we do is it's... Um, it's helping people find direction in their community. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we, we kind of think about this as having uh, a few different like levels or a few different manifestations of how it, how it works out. But, you know, it can be like, sometimes navigation is like, oh, I don't know my, where I am in this neighborhood. I'm looking for my friend Sue's house. It's on this street. I'm trying to get to that street. I'm gonna pull over and ask a passerby like, can you point me in the right direction? And sometimes it's that simple. Somebody will call and they'll just be like, I just need the number for the tax clinic. And we go, okay, great. I've got that. And, you know, send them on their way. It's a little bit more like calling 211, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it can also be like visiting an information center where maybe you don't know exactly what you need, but you're like, I, I, I just need to like orient myself in what's going on in this area. And often that's like, 
when somebody's gone through or is or is in the midst of going through like a pretty big life transition, right? And it could be a lot of things. It could be um, that you've just arrived in a new area and you, you literally need navigation in the neighborhood, right? You yes. need to know where things are and um, and to get to know people and and that kind of thing. But it can also be things like you know, you're a parent for the first time and you need to know how to navigate family resources, uh, you know, or you're going through a big loss or you've lost a job and you've had like a very sudden change in your economic status. And suddenly the place you lived is a totally different place to you, right? Like, um, and so you need to learn how to re-navigate that. And, um, and sometimes, you know, so sometimes we are just like kind of more generally, yeah, yeah, like, okay, you could try this, try this, check this out, um, you know, handing somebody a bunch of brochures, um, or it could be more like we're sitting beside you in the car, we've got the roadmap, so you can focus on the road, so we go, okay, you know, we might, we might then have somebody who we're checking in with more often, and, and just following along with, with their journey, and, and they're in the driver's seat, but like, we're there, and if we need, they need somebody to make a call so they can keep in the, their eyes on the road, you know, we can help them out a little more, so the point is, the participant always stays in the driver's seat, but we're there to help them get where they're going. What a cool way to describe your work, is it, it paints such a cool, uh, beautiful picture, but also um, really brings that idea of navigation to life, that's, I really appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, and, and I love that they're in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. Yusuf, it looks like you were about to say something. Well, it's interesting, I, I love the analogies. Like, I, and this is all, you know, in, in a lot of discussions that we have in the advocacy office, um, it's always interesting to see what comes out um, in, in that. And that's that's been probably the best analogy, the best way to explain what we do. Um, the only other, I just wanted to add one other piece because um, related to the um, the broader organization, the, the CFCC model, where there's actually three kind of key pillars that we we work from, and the advocacy office fulfills one of them. So there's you know that we have education, community building, and collective action, and all of that fits under the community action programs. Um, now each site, so the table, we we take that on uniquely. We have our own way of of approaching it and we've for many reasons we've changed the terminology from um from advocate to navigator for the advocacy office but then we've also we also have a community action network um and that community action network takes on more of the the advocacy work the political advocacy the community advocacy to uh to support folks in coming together and being able to speak up about issues that they see as relevant so we often see a lot of overlap in that work between the social justice community advocacy work and the or, or I should say political advocacy work and the uh, the sort of one-on-one -on -one navigation community support type work that uh, that Emmett was referring to around kind of you know being um, supporting folks one-on-one -on -one to to uh, achieve what they want what their their own goals are right um, and then the education piece, which I haven't really touched on is, and so, you know, advocacy office being more community building, one-on-one -on -one support navigation, collective action as the community action network. And then education is, is the piece where, you know, how do we support social justice education? How do we support folks in their own learning, their own experience in the community? And so the community action training program is, the, is one of those models that we use. 
um, which uh, has been referenced already uh, earlier. But you know, that's something that I've seen really been, it's really interesting to see what comes out of that. We've had one session during the pandemic via Zoom, but, um, but that space for folks to connect with one another, to support each other through their own learning, through their own experiences, and just to have a space to be human with one another and, uh, and learn about what's going on in, in, in other people's lives is, is an incredible opportunity. To have a space to be human, don't we all need that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, I love that. Do you want to dig in and tell us what the training entails? What because people you you know you're dropping these bits, and I think people are thinking, tell us more. It sounds fascinating. It's a suspense novel, right? <laughs> um, well, so the community action training is um, typically a twelve week program. Now we we shifted it, so I'll talk about kind of the latest model, the one that we ran uh, last winter. So this was um, from February to March, and um, and Deb, you were a part of that for one of the sessions, right? It was, it was fantastic. great to have you what as an a, amazing group of as a people. facilitator. Yeah, so we we took on a different approach. We had co-facilitators. Um, I worked with uh, the colleague here at the table, uh, Aisha Tour, who was also on your podcast. So I That's feel right. like now this Season is basically one. everybody who's part of participating. <laughs> we're just going through everybody. Yeah. Every we're calling um, lots of favors. <laughs> So, uh, so Aisha and Emmett uh, were my co-facilitators. And so as uh, the three of us were able to design this eight-week program where we started out with uh, community mapping exercises. So we talked about, you know, what does our community look like? As individuals, we all see our community in different ways. So we do community mapping. We talk about um, uh, intersections and conversations around the social determinants of health uh, is a week that's quite important. We have conversations around how to uh, toolkits around communication styles. So looking at collaborative communication, nonviolent communication as methods to, uh, to resolve community conflicts, community issues that we may, we may uh, encounter. Um, and then the session that was really inspired through, um, well, Emmett really inspired me on this, uh, this piece around belonging. Um, and so I'm not, not to put you on the spot, but, uh, but that was an incredible week for me because we, we dug into this notion of belonging as something that's, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think we take for granted the term, you know, we, we say, okay, well, we need to promote belonging. But when we really in intersect that with conversations of how systems of domination related to um, systemic racism, ableism, patriarchy, we start to actually look at how all of these different elements in society are constantly creating moments where we exclude people. Mm. Then we start to think about how exclusion is not something that we do intentionally, but it's done through just what we, who we are, how we were socialized. Mm. And so it was, a, it was a really interesting space to take that notion of belonging and we had conversations through, uh, Emmett facilitated this, so I don't want to Go too much if there's something you want to jump in and add please do but the piece that was most exciting to me was bringing in the notion of body positivity body neutrality how do we talk about that in relationship to belonging right mm -hmm. um and then so that was the the overarching theme that we would come back to throughout the eight weeks um and uh, we also took time to talk about the advocacy office what it means to be a community navigator um, and, uh, and did a lot of, so we had presentations, but we also did a lot of 
just discussion. A lot of space for folks to ask questions, to, um, to respond, to journal, to, to share their own experiences. Um, so I, considering it being via Zoom, it, I think it went, it was quite well, but I, I really do miss spaces in person for that type of intimate conversation because it is, it is quite, it can be quite intimate. Oh, it sounds and that kind of group for sure. And I think that given what we were all going through this winter and continue to go through in many ways, it probably was quite necessary despite the medium, right? Yeah. 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 Emma, did you have more to add about that belonging? That's such a powerful word and where where that inspiration came from, what what brought you to Yeah, that? I mean, I would say it was the conversations that that Yusuf and Aisha and, you know, also we had a student uh, working with us at the time and the conversations that we had while planning this, you know, I think everything kind of came out of those conversations about like, what, what are the things that make you feel like you belong and what are the, what are the barriers to you belonging? And, you know, when we talk about yeah, like our embodied experience as a food center, like our bodies are very much like part of what we do right um like that's kind of it's it's very front and center with the stuff that like brings us into work every day mm -hmm. and so um and so I think talking about how how we experience that differently you know along lines of of our body size and our culture and you know queerness and gender and all these different dynamics that bring into it I think um the idea of like so so what are the signals that you get that your body belongs or doesn't belong in a space became kind of a really central mm. thing that we talked about in terms of, okay, so how do we look at community and how do we build a community where we can like maximize belonging, you know, mm. um, you know as opposed to, to trying to maximize any, uh, you know, particular like human performance is like, well, but how can we maximize our like spaces so that they're good for everybody and everybody is like safe and welcome there because that seems more important than um than human like peak performance is that yeah. is that everybody no matter where they're at is like welcome in a space wow that's powerful i um i'm sitting with that i'm getting kind of a physical experience a visceral response to that that's um that's really powerful and and the context in which those discussions were happening and that was happening in the training was during our pandemic right when belonging we were yeah. all questioning at least i was i'll speak for myself belonging has been such a word that continues to come back to me as it is today because um pandemics really challenge that for for many of us mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And our experience of like having bodies and being in space together is really different too, right? And right. and we have just this, I remember talking to uh, my friend Robin about like, I feel like there are things that I did without thinking that I am never going to do again. And it's the most basic stuff. It's like going to the grocery store when you have a cold. My awareness of bodies is just entirely different forever. <laughs> like, you know, I think we've all been through like whatever this this past 18 months has been like for us, for everybody. I think it's been like a complete shift. Like, yeah. um, and I think it's brought me a little bit more sort of historical awareness and historical curiosity. But like, OK, people have been through other like life changing events that that happened on a global scale. Like, what was that like? after you know like and and how how has that changed the experience then that I had of like my grandparents and my parents like how much of that was influenced by these like 
large scale things that they went through. Of course, of course. Wow. Ellie, you look like you're gonna say something. What was I? Yeah, no, it just, there's so many things like running through my mind as we kind of look at the whole approach of like community engagement. And I keep just thinking like, you know, community engagement is so important because it really just helps us like better understand our communities. And I think from my experience when I visited, you know, the table, um, it's such a, um, there's like the power dynamics are very, you know, horizontal, I guess. It's not that top down um, kind of approach. And I think, you know, those kind of traditional executive led approaches really lead to creating um, non-inclusive environments. Um, and I was wondering if you guys could talk about how your volunteers and how, you know, the people who support the table um, from a bottoms up kind of approach, how does that play into the dynamics of inclusivity and, you know, body awareness and all of that? Belonging. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a big question and a really, really important one. Something that I honestly, um, I mean, I think it's important that we are honest with ourselves and with each other around, <clears throat> around power dynamics, power relations that exist and will and continue to exist despite our best intentions and I think this is something that I've appreciated about the the language about the framework that we have is that we have you know a lot of what we what we talk about internally but amongst staff amongst volunteers is very much about well how can we do do better at encouraging and supporting uh, those who access our, our services most to lead programming, to be a part of, to co-facilitate a community action training program, to uh, become a community navigator, to, uh, to start their own program uh, in their own neighborhood with our support, right? Like I think thinking about ways, when we talk about the, the term empowerment, right? The word empowerment, it gets thrown around a lot as if, uh, you know, if I just say it, then therefore it'll happen. Mm. Um, and that's something that I, I think instead of saying it, instead of you know, claiming that our work is about empowering people, I hope that our practices can make folks feel like they can have, that they do have power already. We, are not, we don't need to give anybody power. No, folks have power. Our, our community is incredible. The types of mutual support, mutual reliance that exists among folks who are struggling is incredible, but it's not supported, it's not recognized, it's not respected. And I think that's where I hope that sites like ours could potentially facilitate a better, more respect towards existing, um, existing systems, existing ways of doing. So it's, I was trying to think about the, the question that like you didn't actually ask us that. What is what what does wellness mean to well, you? We'll get to it. We'll get Never, to oh, okay, we'll okay. Get all right, to all right. Save that one for the end. Okay, all right, all right. Um, often, I, I'm so excited about it. Our, yeah. our, 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 our experience is that people talk about wellness the whole time often, right? So exactly. sometimes the, the, the answering that question is kind of a reframing of some of the stuff they've shared, but I don't wanna, I don't wanna take 
take that nugget away go you know if, if it seeps into your answers that's completely fine yeah. how can you really yeah yeah so it's integrated into everything i think in terms of probably what you're talking about no it's just i I guess I've been accused of being, you know, utopian or, you know, imagining some future and all, you know, I, by, and I say accused like, you know, by, by friends, by colleagues, <laughs> by, by students, by, by everybody. Um, but really for me, it's, it's not something that might be in the future, right? It's already happening. Mm -hmm. People are already changing our world and making it a better place, you know? So it's like, we're just not supporting those activities in a meaningful way. And I say by we, I'm referring to those of us who hold some power, who hold some uh, some spaces of material resource, like an organization like the table or, um, or uh, spaces like uh, anywhere, right? I, I guess that's where I'm, uh, I, I really like your question, Ellie, because I feel like that should be, hopefully should consider doing a whole podcast episode on that, on power relations in, um, in social service work in uh, nonprofit industry, what it looks like, how do we recognize it, how do we challenge it in ourselves, in each other, in a way that's productive, not in a, oh, you know, you're doing everything wrong, we need to do it differently, but like, how do we actually move forward and make, build, build on this in a meaningful way? Mm -hmm. that's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool. I'm sure some people listening who have no experience with the work at the table or even a community food center may, may be so fascinated that you know you can do this one piece of volunteering or training and then maybe collaboratively you it evolves into something more kind of organically sometimes sometimes more intentionally and and yeah the the kind of traditional and i'm using air quotes and i'm not saying that that's that's um healthy or even functional traditional kind of business models aren't about that at all right it's top down it's um it's yeah that's a that might be one that people have to wrap their brains around which i think is yeah uncomfortable which is excellent that's one of the whole points of the podcast but i can appreciate i, I really loved how you framed your answer and that was a great question ellie as well because uh, the future isn't top down i don't think <laughs> you know and i think we we see that power structures and we yeah there's just a lot a lot of evidence telling us that those structures are are problematic mm. yeah yeah and I, I would say so much of it like so much of what we do in the advocacy office is listening to what people's needs are and you know trying to find them a path that they can get to those needs and and a lot of the times part of that need is like okay I I am in this tough place in my own life, but I also need to do something for my community. You know, we, mm. we see a lot of people who, you know, while we're helping them with various other things, they're also like, also, can you hook me up with like volunteering forms that I can sign? Cause I, I also want to, um, to have a place in this community and feel like I'm, I'm contributing and, mm -hmm. and that's, that's a real human need. And I, and so I think a lot of, a lot of the more cynical framings of like human nature totally leave out that that's that's actually a human need is that we need to uh to be of service to each other um mm -hmm. and like that's yeah that's mm -hmm. that's something that I see a lot in mm -hmm. and that's a larger I just keep thinking belonging right but yeah to be of service to each other absolutely and that's not often something that 
gets ticked on a box when, you know, your doctor or some medical professional or other social service professional is checking in with you about, you know, how, right. how connected are you to other people? Or do you feel like there's value in this volunteer? Are you, is there a volunteer piece that you're interested in? Yeah, that's, and I love that people want to do that as they, you know, as you're helping them with maybe a form or connecting them in some way, navigating, holding that map, that then that becomes a larger piece for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and in, you know, in the traditional like food bank model, yeah. in a lot of places, like that's not even, you can't be on both sides of the, mm -hmm. of the divide, right? You're either mm -hmm. providing a service or you're receiving a service. And you think about what that does to like entrench people's idea of like, oh, I'm in debt to this service that is being provided to me. And there's nothing that I, I don't get to then like to serve in return, like what does that do to your sense of belonging in your community of right like of course and and how does an organization ever get a sense of what the needs are in a community when you know here do a survey and you know when you're not part of changing yeah. changing that piece it's it's very different right when you're when you're looking at mm -hmm. it from the angles you folks are that's that's really cool i had it i knew that that was happening but i don't think i ever had it explained to me in that way and that's that sounds like um I hate the word, the, the word powerful is so, so heavy, but I think that is powerful in, in a transformative kind of way, maybe, maybe transformative is a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also alluded to the community action network. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Cause it sounds like, is that kind of an evolution of the training? Like do, do folks graduate and then become part of the network or how do they, how do those things work? Together? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, because it's something that's been reevaluated uh, here at the table a, a couple of times. And I, I mean, I've been in this position as the advocacy coordinator for just over two years, right? And so, um, but sometimes it feels like only a year because of the pandemic, you know, where, where, that, where that fits. But, and that's another piece. But one of the things that I struggled with when I began the position was trying to wrap my head around how these three different areas fit, right? Um, and I think it's still, there's still issues around how they're streamlined. So the initial intention of the community action training was to, um, to consider how to, um, like that would potentially lead to people getting involved in the advocacy office to apply to become a community navigator. Um, but we realized very quickly, there's a lot of different directions that folks can go. And, um, and something that we did more intentionally in our last session of the community action training was to act to minimize that as being the goal because in part, we don't have as many positions. We don't rotate necessarily the navigators as often. Um, and the, the idea of saying that a group of you know, 10, 15 people who would go through community action training, then maybe two or three could become navigators in the future. Uh, what else do you do with that training? And uh, I think what we ended up doing more is that direction towards the community action network um, but also towards, um, towards other ways to be involved at the table, right? And I think that's part of the idea of having, um, having connection to different, uh, different programs at the table throughout the community action training as well. So the community action network, its own history, the way it developed was a need to, or a, an interest in actually having a group of folks and its history itself actually started from participants. Like the drive to have a community action network came from a group of people who first 
initially it was a social justice club um, where there were discussions about social justice issues, workshops, um, participating maybe with other social justice activities in the community. And then at some point there was, a, there was an interest to turn into a community action network. So it's been that way since I've been here at the table. Um, the Lanark County Community Action Network is the, the full title. And they're a group of, they're all volunteers. Um, most have either current or uh, past lived experience in low income, in poverty, in conditions of poverty of some sort and various types of experiences that they bring, of lived experiences that they, they bring to the group. Um, and various levels of previous engagement with uh, community activism. I mean, I think, and I, I use that word with a lot of caution because not all of the participants would call themselves activists. And that word activist itself has all sorts of meanings, right? Mm. Um, but instead it's a group of folks who just want to have their voices heard, who mm. want to make sure that there is a sense of justice in our community, a sense of connection, meaning, belonging. Um, the issue that has been kind of at the forefront of the Community Action Network meetings for the past two years and prior, but I'll speak just to my time, um, is housing, right? Mm -hmm. Housing insecurity, the lack of housing, which I, I know uh, Ellie can, can speak to as well, and Emmett, and I mean, this is something that is on all our minds uh, and has been on our minds that as throughout the pandemic, but prior to the pandemic, there's such a lack of um, of truly affordable housing, lack of social housing options, lack of, uh, of housing supports. Um, the, the reality around here, and it's not just housing, right? When we start to look at housing itself as an issue, we also see issues of lack of transportation, lack of uh, opportunities for meaningful employment, meaningful work. Um, so all of that intersects into some serious concerns. And so the Community Action Network, we meet we meet twice a month um, and we've continued meeting throughout the pandemic via Zoom and doing every now and then we've started meeting in the park when we can. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's been a lot of conversations and organizing around, well, how can we, uh, how can we address the, this lack of housing? How can we present our issues to uh, Lanark County Council? How can we uh, collaborate with other organizations like Cornerstone Landing or um, and, and others who are doing this type of work, who are trying to figure out how to uh, how to address this lack of housing in a meaningful way. So it's it's been interesting to see. I, I try to support that group very much as uh, just providing the space, providing um, some insight and conversation around where we can go next. But it's very much led by uh, the interests of, the, of those who participate. So where it goes depends on who shows up and where where, uh, where their interests are that's the primary goal of the community action network is to have a space for people to um to work together on an issue that they have a passion for that they have enthusiasm to address and uh, and hopefully make some change albeit sometimes small but some change that they can uh, they can actually feel in their community Mm -hmm. And isn't that how change starts in, in engaging critical conversations, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and creating spaces where that's safe to, to do that and where people feel like their voice matters. And yeah, that's that's powerful. I um yeah. yeah, cool. And do people come and go? Do you know some weeks, some months, twice a month, you said? So sometimes 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think in the last, well, certainly there's a bit of Zoom fatigue uh, in the last few months. So we've had more of a rotation and, and folks sometimes will say, look, I'm going to take a few months away from meetings and I'll be back. And, and then they, they come back. Um, we're in the process now of I, I actually am going to be doing some posts on Facebook and flyers up to, just to put it out there for folks who want to get involved. Mm. Um, and they can certainly reach out to me directly the table and um and i can share zoom links so they can participate we have um our members actually put together a terms of reference for volunteering as mm -hmm. a part of alcan explaining oh. kind of their own uh, their own guidelines their own importance of what what matters what's acceptable how to work as a collective not everybody agrees all the time not everybody has the same idea of what we should be doing next some feel we need to be doing more some feel we need to be mm -hmm. you know, doing a bit you know hold back a bit there's all sorts of opinions and that's that's the point right of course of course yeah. so people listening if they were interested they could they could get in touch and we'll ask at the end about how people can find you folks so that's significant you know there may be people listening and do you have to live in the perth area can you be from you know can you be from countywide countywide county yeah. um so we we actually have right now our membership uh includes folks from almont perth and uh, and even a couple of folks from the highlands from Lanark highlands that, that come periodically um so it's we we do have representation now countywide thanks to zoom uh, zoom meetings i think more of than course, anything but, of course and do you need to be an adult to participate can youth participate what are the limits there that's a great question as far as i'm concerned yes youth could could participate uh i don't know that where i would say the, the starting point is for age there i think programming in general at the table would probably be around, I think, I want to say uh, 16, 17. Maybe yeah. Emmett would know better. I yeah. feel like we have a cutoff and I'm not sure the exact age. Um, I think we have set out uh, like uh, ages for certain certain volunteer things. I don't know that we do for necessarily for Community Action Network. Yeah. Not that um, I've been made aware It's of more of a point. like physical safety thing for, yeah, for kitchen stuff and for food bank in terms of like, no. yeah. Yeah. And um, are you part of that network? I have not been actually really mostly since the beginning of the pandemic. I, that was kind of, I, I was one of the people who was like, I got to tap out for this oh, for no. a little bit because yeah. we're kind of reorienting how we <laughs> make the whole office function and how life functions. And uh, and I have a problem where if I go to a meeting, I will say yes to five more things I have to do. <laughs> of course. Important. I realized that was dangerous at that point in my life but <laughs> so i so appreciate so, those, yeah. those limits right because often especially in the pandemic i think that was easy to say yes to another zoom or yes to this or mm -hmm. that. and um that takes a toll for sure yeah it's kind of it's it's dangerous you can say yes to a lot of things when it's all happening from your couch and then of course, <laughs> of course yeah so we've learned yeah <laughs> in the past 18 months yes but but I've been very impressed with how how Elkan has continued during the pandemic to, and and uh, and really flourished in terms of in terms of having more representation from across the county, because I would say that's one of the things that Elkan before just for pragmatic reasons that we were having physically at the table. And so it was mostly Perth people that were able to get there. Right. Of course. So, yeah. And I think the pandemic, at least for myself, and I know lots of folks that I interact with, it's put things into different perspectives. And so 
even more important to be having those kinds of conversations. I mean, housing is a whole separate, it's a huge issue. And the pandemic has really put a spotlight on how problematic and how unstable, you know, housing is for folks. And with this real estate boom, are we still in the real estate boom? I don't know, but um, that's certainly changed. Yeah, changed a lot for people. I heard it's going to crash. That's what I heard, but who knows? I think it's still a lot of the, a lot of people it's not going to impact because it's still housing is still not accessible. Right. Yeah. Um, Ellie, have you got anything? I thought I might dig into the wellness question. I'm not sure if there's anything you wanted to ask. Yeah, no, let's dig into the wellness. Yeah. yeah. So wondering from each of you, what, uh, what wellness means means to each of you and it can be you know it doesn't have to be from the table's perspective it can be personally it can be however you want to answer it or many ways everybody's different with this question we, we shouldn't both go at once eh? <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're playing mute chicken <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, oh dear um, well I, I'm, I'm probably less prepared with the question than emmett so i'll start and that way you can end with it <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I started thinking about this uh, around this concept back actually when you um, when you did when you presented for the community action training, Deb, and I, I was really impressed with your approach around care and community care, what that actually looks like as something that is beyond the individual. So when I think about wellness, it's really hard for me to break out of the this individualistic perspective. And I mean, that's part of a colonial construct that I'm struggling with, that I'm, I'm personally trying to figure out how to, uh, how to challenge. Because wellness for me, when I think more about it, it's not about me personally, my own wellness, my own health, my own being, although that's a part of it. It's how that being, how my own well-being relates to others. And as long as I'm looking around and I know and I feel that there's a lack of wellness, there's a lack of care, there's a lack of justice, then it's very difficult to, uh, to imagine well-being on a community level, on a level that's meaningful for me, right? And how I connect to, to our world, to our community. Um, so it really is, it comes back to that sense of belonging. So wellness and how I have tried to, to think about it is more about saying, well, what what exists right now that's meaningful for me what is meaningful and i and i come back i use that word a lot meaningful but i i'm really referring to um you know what uh, what gives me a sense of connection a sense of belonging a sense of worth a sense of uh, uh, that i'm actually contributing um this was something that uh, that emmett mentioned and i really like this point that you know folks are often trying to figure out how to be in service to others. We're, we're all trying to figure out how, what is our place to support and encourage um, a, uh, a well, a community that is well, right? We're all, we really are, even in our darkest moments where we aren't able to, uh, to, to actually do it, it's, it is there. there, it is, that nugget is there. And so for me, it's about, well, how do I see it as something that exists now, even in, in those darker places, in myself and in others? And, uh, and how can I amplify it? How can I bring that out? Um, so, yeah, 
I, I may have gotten a bit too philosophic there, so my oh, apologies. Goodness. But that's where <laughs> that's where my mind is. I is really at. appreciated yeah. that that reflection, and it really um it was a larger reflection on a lot of our conversation today. The start of our conversation. I feel like we've just started, you know, even though we're kind of bound by time in a podcast, but start of some something. Hopefully, we can continue at some point. Thank you, Yusuf. I really appreciate that. How about you, Emmett? Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised by where my mind went where I was like, okay, how am I actually going to talk about this on the podcast? I know they're going to ask me about wellness. Am I going to talk about like how much I hate like the commodification and like exaltation of like wellness as mm-hmm. as an individual goal? And like, yeah, I am. <laughs> but I also started thinking about like, what are my earliest associations with this concept Mm. and what I came up with was so when I was a little kid I had this bone deformity Mm. it was really like a defining factor of like my whole primary school years it was kind of like started to be identified in kindergarten and then there were years of like diagnostics and testing and in second grade I had to have was having this surgery to correct this bone deformity and people were sending get well cards and I thought that's kind of a weird thing to say it just felt weird to me because well like this is just my life. This is all of my life that I can remember so far. I'm not going to get well soon. I'm going to have like years more of like recovery process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is always kind of kind of be like a huge part of, of mm-hmm. my childhood experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that's not exactly how I'm processing it at age seven, but I am just like, that's weird. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Um, and the things that that people did for me that that felt a little bit more in line was like people gave me joke books mm. and a lot of my teachers like gave me joke books when I was going into the hospital. And that felt more like they were actually giving me something that was like relevant to who I was. Mm. <laughs> it's like I am a person who wants to be funny, <laughs> you know, um, and I think when I think about that as an adult who has like a chronic health problem unrelated to uh, what I went through as a child. Um, You know, often when I have to bring this up, it's because I'm having to break plans with somebody because I'm having a a flare up of, Mm. of my chronic health problem. And then the response is quite often, you know, oh, well, have you tried this? Hmm. Or is there anything you can do for it? And at that point, it's like, no, I'm at max capacity sending you this text right now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? I I am doing what I can do for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, you know, I, so it feels like there's this like, thing that like the culture of wellness brings to it where everybody is sort of like prescriptivist and always looking for like there's got to be some weird little like trick you can try to again like how can humans like operate at maximum capacity and it's like well my maximum capacity some days might be no capacity mm-hmm. right and and a lot of people are going to have those no capacity days at some point and a lot of us are going to have more than than others and you know, like what's really helpful to me is anything somebody can say that that will reassure me that the number of like low capacity, no capacity days I have isn't being like subtracted in some grand calculation of like 
here is my value to the community. Mm. Part of that is, is, you know, being allowed to, to give as much as I can give and then being reassured that like, that, that there's no expectation that I go beyond what I'm capable of. Mm. And, and that what we need to focus on is not like the maximum wellness of individual humans. What's really more valuable is, okay, what's our communal wellness? Mm. How do we create a community where everybody's capacity, whatever they have, can be enough and everybody's needs can be met? We, in, within that, I what I think is that we carry each other when, when I'm at zero capacity, as you say, or really low capacity. I'm not judged for that. Rather, I, you know, yeah, somebody help yeah. meet that need or or meet me where I am, and yeah, leave me feeling less isolated. That's that's a robust a robust definition of what wellness means to you. Was there more? Did was cutting off? Was there more there? <laughs> I had an example. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd love your <laughs> example. Um, yeah, so, so this is actually just last week. Um, and we were uh, working, as I believe Ellie was as well on the point in time count um, of unhoused people in the county, um, which was last week, we have four days to kind of um, try and try and count people who do not have adequate shelter. Mm. And, uh, and it was as you recall, it was really late, rainy last week. Um, and especially because we're not doing indoor programming for the most part at the table anymore. We didn't have a lot of participants coming out. And so we're counting out like those, these first three days and we're like, we know we're missing people. And finally it's Friday, it's the last day of the survey. It wasn't supposed to rain. I was gonna during dinner service. This is like, I'm like, this is our last chance. We're gonna connect with people before the window of the survey closed. So I have like all of this pressure around it. And then I wake up Friday and I'm dizzy and I'm like, oh, I've got about an hour window of suboptimal functioning before I'm just useless. Mm. Like that's that's the reality of today. Mm. This is, the plan is not happening. And I'm feeling already so much, I'm carrying this like guilt from the rest of the week that I didn't do enough. Mm. And so I send an email to the team. I'm like, I am so sorry, everybody. I, can anybody cover for me? And Yusuf responds to the whole team and he's he says, I'm in the building today. I can do surveys if somebody comes in and needs to do a survey. If somebody else wants to come down, that's great. If not, it's gonna be okay. We've done what we can do. Mm. I would be reassured that what I'd already been able to contribute was enough, mm. right? Mm. So I'm not, I'm not very attracted to or swayed by concepts of wellness that propose that there's like a magic spell or a miracle cure. And it's more meaningful to me to think about like your utopic vision. It's about looking at what's already happening, mm. you know, and looking at what what is our capacity already and who's already like fulfilling these important roles in our community. And how can we make sure that that those people's needs are taken care of? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a great example. It really brings it to life and it it speaks volumes about the work that you folks are doing and and how the collaboration that happens. And thank you. That's lots of lots of um, 
I, I really love the idea of turning wellness on its head, right? Disrupting what it means to be well, because I feel the same way as you, that there's a real commodification of it. And we don't often, we throw that term around, you know, take a bath, go and, uh, you know, have a glass of wine or, you know, whatever, coffee. And that's not it at all often, right? It's so much more nuanced and, and um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate how your, your, your words and, bring it to life and also just the personal aspect of sharing so thank you for that that's yeah it, it creates a lot of meaning there so that's what I love about this podcast you know you just people have such different ideas about that concept and mostly people aren't talking about bubble baths and other things when they talk about wellness they're talking about much larger concepts and then you know it helps us kind of stretch our ideas about what that is or what that might be. So that's one of my goals for this work. So thank you to you both. That was robust. Um, I know people listening who are interested in your work know how to find you, but there are lots of people who maybe are hearing you both for the first time and hearing about the work of the table for the first time. How might they get in touch? Find well, out. There's a few different ways. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll start with our website. So yeah. uh, the table cfc.org. And we have uh, all our contacts are on there, uh, links to information about the Community Action Network, um, the Community Advocacy Office as well. But for direct contact, folks can call directly 613-267-6428. Uh, extension 29. And that's for the advocacy office mm -hmm. or advocacy at the table cfc.org. And uh, that email will go to, uh, will reach both, well, Emmett, myself, and our team of navigators. Uh, or you can email me directly, yusuf at the table cfc.org, um, which is Y O U S S E F, is in Frank. Oh, is the last F. I can uh. never. I, <laughs> have anyway <laughs> yousef that uh, at the table cfc.org um or um or extension four as well so two six seven six four two eight extension four and yeah we're there's all, all the contacts for the other programming including the good food bank our fresh food box um the uh the garden which is by net by the time you're listening to this will be mostly done mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so please Look us up, reach out. We're, we're happy to uh, to connect with folks in the Perth area, but Lanark County wide. When it comes to the community advocacy office, as was mentioned, we we do support folks county wide, um, which is important. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Emmett, can people reach you the same way that Yosef um, described? Yep, exactly the same way. Uh, I I check those advocacy uh, inbox emails and the and the phone uh, the advocacy. Uh, phone and also uh, my email address at the table is just my name Emmett E M M E T at the table cfc.org. Wonderful, wonderful. This has been. It feels like it's just the beginning of a conversation. I, I really feel that, and um, perhaps I need to look at your community action network for a more robust kind of digging into some of the larger issues that are of interest to me so I will um I'll keep that in mind and I'll pass that along to some people I think might be really interested in that so thanks for planting that seed today and for planting many other seeds um and Ellie thank you for joining us how about you know I don't want to go without plugging the stuff that you do how can people find out more about Cornerstone 
Yeah, people can find Cornerstone online or on Facebook, uh, just cornerstonelanding.com, or they can reach out to us. Um, oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. That's all okay. The That's okay. Spot. You know what? They can uh, call the table and the table will put them in touch with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, navigator. Navigator will help. Not the navigator. Uh, yeah, yeah. you yeah, right. There we go. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, all of you. It's um, okay, it's all a circle. <laughs> it's all a circle, exactly. It's really cool to have a whole um, some wonderful people around this virtual screen. You know, despite you know the the complaints about Zoom that I have, and most most people I know have, it's pretty cool to do things like this. So I really appreciate all of your time today, and I appreciate this conversation. I'm excited to put this out into the world. Bend the Podcast is a production of Bend Wellness. For more information, check out our website, bendwellness.org. Thanks for listening.